0: Well, good morning again. Good to see all of you here. We got a few people here for the first time. Want to welcome you. Thank you so much for being with us today, as we worship God and as we spend time in His Word together. Um, and a lot of visitors. Um, just thankful for your presence, for uh, you guys being with us as well, and uh, for all of our members as well who are here. We uh, are grateful. Grateful to be gathered, to be able to worship God, uh, to be able to honor Him. To be able to give him the praise that he deserves. Um, I love the songs that we sang. They were all about what Christ has done for us through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's at the heart of everything that we do. Um, we think about God's grace and that has been poured out upon us. So let's honor him by not only worshiping him with our lips, but also with our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about In our sermon again today, Uh, over the course of this year, if you're visiting with us, we've been looking at each month uh, different fruits that come from the spirit. And the idea behind these sermons is, you know, a lot of times when we think about um, how do you know if somebody has the Holy Spirit or not? I think oftentimes what happens in the world today, and especially in the religious world today, is people run to like the signs of the spirit or the gifts of the spirit. And people think, well, if you have the Holy Spirit, then you'll be able to do this or you'll be able to do that. You'll be able to prophesy. You'll be able to speak in tongues. You'll be able to do these things. Um, Well, actually, in the Bible, there's a lot more emphasis given to the fruit of the Spirit than the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, And that's kind of the emphasis behind these lessons. I want to remind you, as we get started here, what Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven. He said, not everybody who says to me, this is Matthew seven and verse twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father who's in heaven will enter. And many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So I want you to notice here. Here's some people who were prophesying in the name of Jesus. People who were casting out demons in the name of Jesus. Um, people who are doing great works of God in the name of Jesus, signs, miracles. If You saw somebody like that doing that. You might be tempted to think, well, clearly this person has the Holy Spirit. And yet Jesus says, I'm gonna to say to them, I never knew you. Not like I knew you for a while and then I didn't know you, I don't know you now. No, I never knew you. That is to say, there are, it is possible for people to have signs of spiritual power and yet be devoid of the Holy Spirit himself. And we need, to be, we need to be aware of that and cognizant of that. Notice again what Jesus emphasizes. Who is the one? Who is mine? Who is the one who's part of my family? Who's, who's part of the family of God? Those who do the will of the Father. So here's the thing. In what we're focusing on this year is how do we produce the character of the Spirit? How do we produce the character of the Holy Spirit? And to that we turn again to Galatians chapter 5. If you would turn with me, I want to read through this text again. Uh, I don't want us to get tired of reading this text. And writing it on our hearts. So Galatians chapter 5. I want to begin reading um, in verse 13. And I'm going to read down through verse 26. Galatians 5 beginning in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself." But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and the things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another and envying one another. Amen. All right, so this is the word of God saying, here's what it means to be a spirit-filled person. Here's the sign that the Holy Spirit is in you. This is it, that you're going to walk by the Spirit. You're going to be led by the Spirit. You're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. All those terms really are describing the same kind of idea. To, to, To walk by the Spirit is to live being led by the Spirit and to produce the kind of fruit that the Spirit produces in the lives of God's children. So this is what we want to talk about. And we've been talking about these. We've talked about love. We've talked about joy. We talked about peace. Last month, we talked about patience. Uh, And I said last month that um, just as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Love is built on two pillars. Every other um, aspect or attribute of love, I would argue, um, it comes from these two pillars, patience and kindness. Patience and kindness. Think about this. Patience is how a love reacts. But kindness is love proactive. Patience is love's reaction. Kindness is love's proaction. Patience avoids a problem or stops a problem in its place. Kindness creates a blessing. Patience is preventative. Kindness is Proactive. And I want us to think about today, we're going to be looking at kindness. And I, I thought seriously about this, um, and uh, I still might do this. I thought about getting up here and just saying, you know what? If you've tasted the kindness of God in your life, then you know how to be kind. And that's where the sermon should end. And just sitting down. Some of you guys have been asking me to preach a little shorter, so maybe I should do that. Um, that's really the truth of it. If we have tasted the kindness of God, then we should know everything we need about how to walk uh, in a life of kindness. But having said that, sometimes we need reminders. So we're going to go a little deeper today um, and and explore this a little deeper. I want to talk to you a little bit. We're going to start by just talking about what does the Bible say about God's kindness? We're going to focus primarily today in the New Testament, though there's much to be said about this in the Old Testament. Um, But That's going to be for another sermon at a different time. Um, I want to start by talking about what does the Bible teach us about God's kindness? And then I want us to think a little bit about the purpose of God's kindness. And then we'll, we'll use what we learn from God about how God has shown kindness to us to then help us learn how to live a life of kindness. And really, I should say that kindness is a lifestyle. You know, in the world today, it's not that hard to find people who will, who will, uh, do random acts of kindness, right? I and mean, there's even like a World Kindness Day now, you know, where everybody's supposed to do some random act of kindness uh, and pass things on. It's really not that unusual to find people who are kind and who do kind things in this world. But let me suggest to you that there's a difference between being a person who sometimes does kind things for people and a person who has made kindness a part of the way that they walk and the way that they live. And that is what the Spirit is calling us to. Not like, hey, you know, I'm going to randomly do this act of kindness on, on, on this day and the rest of the week. It's all about me. No, to live a lifestyle of kindness is what the spirit is calling us to. So let's look at God for a few moments here and look at, take a look at, at God's kindness as we have seen it evident in the world around us. I'd like to start in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. One of the first places uh, in the New Testament um, where we see kindness come up is in Luke chapter six. While you're turning there, I'll just say one other one that you might not have noticed is in Matthew 11. My yoke is kind, my yoke is kind. We normally say my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But actually the word there is the same word for kind, my yoke is kind. Um, but Luke chapter six is where we're gonna begin and I'd like for us to look at verse 35. This is the the this is the, what some people call Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. In Luke chapter 6, in verse 35, he says, Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High. Well, why? For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. So be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Do you hear what he said there? All right. You love your enemies. You go out and do good, expecting nothing in return. Because... That's how you be sons of the Most High. Well, how does that make me a son of the Most High? Well, that's who God is. God goes out giving when he gets nothing in return. In fact, God shows kindness to those who are ungrateful and to those who are evil. Have you thought about that? Every day that we live on this earth, there are hundreds of thousands of millions of manifestations of God's kindness to ungrateful people, And to evil people. You thought about that? When the rain falls. Who does it fall on? Not just on the good. Also on the evil. With a few rare exceptions in history. Like the plagues in Egypt. uh, You know. God shares the blessings. That he pours out on all mankind. There are many blessings. That God pours out in this world. That you don't have to be righteous. In order to receive. Uh, Wealth. Is it only righteous people who get wealthy? Uh, Is it only righteous people who have food? Have you ever thought something like this? You know, why is God so kind to people, especially when they're so ungrateful? Why does God give things to people who are not thanking him for it? Uh, There's a phrase you probably heard um, people like to throw around. What if the only things you had today were the things you gave thanks for? how much of your possessions and how much of your wealth and how much of it would be gone. We're good at taking things for granted. You know, it's easy for us when we read something like that. Yeah. Those people out there, they're so ungrateful, right? But actually, if we look a little bit closer inside of our own hearts, sometimes we're the ones who God is showering these blessings on, pouring out his kindness upon us. And how grateful are we for it? How much do we express gratitude for what God is doing? Not only does God show kindness to the ungrateful, he shows kindness to the evil. That is the very ones who are doing evil to him, he's doing good to in return. The very ones who are out trying to destroy God's name, who are out trying to defy God's will, who are out stubbornly rebelling against him. God is pouring out his loving kindness upon their lives. And all of us are witnesses of that because all of us have been that. Evil people, ridiculously foolish, selfish, proud, arrogant. And think about those times in your life when you were that kind of person. Where was God? Did he abandon you? Or did you still have food to eat? Did you still have a roof over your head? Did you still have kindness being poured out from the Father on high? God is kind, even to the ungrateful and even to those who are evil. Um, In Romans chapter 11, Paul, after uh, speaking about the gospel and explaining the gospel, says this. Verse 22, behold then the kindness and severity of God. To those who fell, severity put to you God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness. Behold the kindness and the severity of God. In the context, he's talking about uh, Jews and uh, and and the other nations or the Gentiles. And he's talking about how God um, had poured out his blessings on the Jews. Even when they were stubborn and rebellious, God continued to shower blessings upon them. And yet some of them have been cut off because of their rebellion against them. And then he says, you know, God also poured out his kindness on the Gentiles as well. And you are evidence of that. Many of the brothers and sisters in in the churches in Rome were evidence of the fact that God is kind. Look at what he'd done, how he'd revealed himself to them, how he'd saved them by his great kindness. But then he reminds them, hey, just so you know, to those who behold then the kindness and severity of God, to those who fell, severity, but to you, God's kindness. Have you thought about this? Even God's judgment, even God's judgment is kindness to those who are faithful to him. Have you thought about that? Even God's judgment, last week we talked about God's discipline. I want you to think about this. Even God's judgment upon the wicked is kindness to those who are faithful to God. God is showing kindness to his people if you will continue in his kindness. Uh, I would suggest that you try to read the book of Romans sometime and just look at evidence of God's kindness all throughout that letter. It's all over on every page. The the story of the book of Romans is the story of God's kindness being poured out on his people. Yes, God is severe to those who reject him and to those who disobey him and to those who stubbornly rebel against him. But God is also abundantly kind. And we get to choose which part of that we get to experience, whether it's severity or whether God's kindness. It's not that God doesn't want to show his kindness. The whole point of the book of Romans is that God is not partial. So God wants to pour out his kindness upon you if you will continue it. But God is kind. All right, look with me at one more text here. Uh, Titus 3. Titus 3, verses 3 through 8. Titus 3, verses 3 through 8. And as we read this text, I want you to reflect on your life. I want you to see yourself in this text because you're there. We are all there. Listen to this, Titus chapter 3 and verse 3. Let me start in verse 1. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Why? Why should I be that way? Why should I always be ready for every good deed? Why should I be subject to people who uh, deserve nothing but disrespect and rebellion. Why should I be peaceable um, and gentle, showing every consideration to all men when many people don't deserve, they deserve anything but peace and gentleness. Why should I treat people that way? Listen to this verse three, four, we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But, thank God for the buts of scripture. But when the kindness of God, our savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, But according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed in God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. We were once foolish, dis- deceived, disobedient, enslaved to various lusts, enslaved to various pleasures, spending our lives in malice, spending our lives in envy, hateful and hating other people. And while we were living that life, the kindness of God our Savior appeared. Have you thought about this? The gospel is the greatest evidence of God's kindness in the world today. The fact that Jesus, while we were living this selfish, sinful, proud, arrogant, stubborn, rebellious life, after He put us on his earth and entrusted us with it, this good creation that God made. And he entrusted us to live, it out, live out as care, caretakers of his world. And, and while he put us here, we're living disobedient, deceived, enslaved to all sorts of lusts and pleasures, spending our lives in malice and envy, hateful, hating, just disregarding all of God's law. And while we're down here doing all that, God says, you know what? Let me show them. Great kindness. Let me appear to them and show them and demonstrate my great kindness in the world today. And that is exactly what happened when Jesus came down from heaven to earth. It was God demonstrating once and for all, manifesting his great kindness toward us. Really, you might look at Jesus's life as a life of kindness. Peter summarized his life that way in Acts chapter 10 to Cornelius. He said, you know about Jesus of Nazareth, how he went about doing good. That's kind of the way he summed up. I love that summary of Jesus' life. He went about doing good. Jesus was God's kindness demonstrated. And so as Peter says in 1 Peter 2, if you have tasted the kindness of God, how should that affect your life? He's quoting, by the way, Psalm 34. Go back and read Psalm 34 sometime and reflect on God's kindness in your life. Hopefully that's sufficient to just get you thinking about different manifestations of God's kindness in your life. Uh, I could talk all day about that. We could go into every little attribute of every way in which God blesses us that we are aware of. There are so many we're not even aware of so many ways in which God is showing me kindness that I'm completely uh, ignorant of. I'm not even recognizing them day after day, but hopefully this is a good reminder that God is truly kind. There's nothing more loving and kind than being willing to send down your most precious and valuable possession His only beloved son and give him up on the cross so that he might rescue us from our life of unkindness and evil, and wicked deeds. I want us to take a moment, though, to just reflect on why. Why is God so kind? Um, what's the motive behind God's kindness? And by the way, there's, there's a lot of answers to this, but I just want to share a couple that the Bible uh, mentions. Why is God showing kindness? Um, Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 2 and in verse 4. Do you think lightly of the riches of God's kindness and tolerance and patience? Not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. You know why God's being kind in this world? He wants all people to be saved. He wants all of us to come to repentance. So let me ask you this. Is God's kindness accomplishing what he intended it to accomplish for you? All right, don't look around and say, is it accomplishing what he intended for it to accomplish in the world? First, look and say, is God's kindness accomplishing what he intended it to accomplish in your life? Are you becoming the kind of person that is turned away from evil? and turn to God and has chosen to be like God and join him in living a lifestyle of kindness. As God accomplished what he came to accomplish in you. God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. And the first thing I need to be asking myself today, as I reflect on God's kindness, is what is left in my heart that I still need to repent of. What is left in my life? that I still need to let go of? What what ways, you know, yeah, of course, I'm here. I'm thanking God with my lips. I'm grateful for God's great kindness with my lips. But are there any ways in my life in which I am continuing to demonstrate uh, ingratitude for God's kindness? Are there ways in which in my life, even though I say always with my lips, my life says otherwise, that I'm not really grateful for his kindness. God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. All right, second thing, if, go back with me to Ephesians 2, the text that we read at the beginning, Ephesians chapter 2. This is a beautiful text. You were dead in your sins, your trespasses in which you formerly walked, you used to walk nothing like the spirit. You used to walk like the flesh. You used to walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Yeah, you had a spirit. You were filled with the spirit, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. You were walking in the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And, and we all walk that way. He says, hey, it's not just you guys, it's not just you nations, you Gentiles. No, we all, Jew, Gentile, everybody, we all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgression, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But have you ever asked yourself why? Why? Why did God take dead people like us who had lived this long life of disobedience and, and, and rejected his spirit and followed evil spirits? Why did God take dead people like us and raise us up to walk in new life? Why did he do that? He tells us in the verse, so that's so of scripture are very important. Look at this verse seven, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. All right, pay close attention to that, because I want you to notice what he's saying here. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I want to ask you this question. Does the world need to know that God is kind? In a world where buildings just collapse with no warning and people die. With no explanation. We'd like to think, oh, well, they must have been really wicked people. Jesus assures us in the Bible that's not actually the reason. No. He says, actually, when bad things happen, the tower fell. Um, If you don't repent, you will all likewise perish. Don't think that it was just because they were wicked. In a world where uh, children come down with cancer before they've ever had a chance. What does the world say when the world looks at things like that? They look at God and they say, either there's no God, or if there is a God, he's a monster. How would he ever allow such terrible things in the world like that? What is God's answer to that? How does God show the riches of his grace? How does God show the world that he truly is good and that he truly is kind? You know what he does? Takes broken people like us who were dead in our sins. And he takes us and he raises us up to walk a new life. And he puts us on display. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Do you see what he's saying here? Why is God doing all this? Why is he taking dead people like us and raising us up to walk in new life? Well, it's actually because God is putting us on display to show the world that he truly is good and that he truly is kind. And I want us to ask ourselves this. Is my life a demonstration of God's kindness to the world? Is my lifestyle The way i walk in my home the way i live on my job the way i go to school and the way i conduct myself on the street and in the neighborhood is my lifestyle showing the world the goodness and the kindness of god god has a purpose to his kindness he wants all humanity to come to see how good and how kind he is and he puts us on display what a privilege He puts us on display and uses us as his workmanship. Let me work on you. Let me chisel you. Let me craft you into my image so that I can use you in this world to show that I truly am good and that I truly am God. How important is it that Christians live a lifestyle of kindness? We've got a mission to fulfill as God's people. This is how we show the world that the Lord truly is good. And that the Lord truly is kind. So let's come to us now. Let's talk a little bit about us before we wrap up. The commands to be kind. Uh, I want to look at two of them. One of them was already read in chapter 4 and verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. All right. Notice essentially what he's saying here. You know, all those things that you used to be defined by—anger, clamor, wrath, slander—all those things that used to be the way you lived your life. Yeah, you—you you may have lived a long years, devoting yourself to all those things. That does not define you anymore. Don't let it. Don't let. Don't let those things live. Be the way you live now. You've been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been justified. So instead, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Remember how kind God was to you when you were all those things? Now you be that way towards others. You don't treat others the way they deserve to be treated. You treat others the way God treated you when you deserve nothing but but wrath. That's the way we're going to look at look at life. All right, look at Colossians chapter 3 um, where he mirrors this, a letter written around the same time, to more or less the same groups of people with more specific Exhortations. Listen to what he says in verse uh, 14, starting. Sorry, verse 12, um, Colossians 3, verse 12. So then as those who have been chosen of God, elect of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, a heart of kindness and compassion, humility, gentleness, patience. This is a command from God. Notice the kindness is not optional for Christians. If we have been saved by a God who is truly kind, then he expects us to respond by imitating his kindness. He says earlier in Colossians chapter 3 in verse 9, Don't lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who's being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Do you hear that? That is God is renewing you into himself. He's making you like him. He's trying to take the thing that he created in his image, which was you, and maybe by your sin you ruined that. But now he's fixing that again. He's renewing you back into his image. So one of the ways that he does that is he makes you become like him, In your character, he teaches you how to become kind. And I want to speak to uh, a few things here um, related to this, maybe just to get some specific areas of exhortation. Number one, I want to talk about some areas of need here. You know, sometimes to say, uh, be kind to all, just ain't specific enough. If you guys remember the common line, uh, justice for all ain't just ain't specific enough. Sometimes to say, be kind to all, just ain't specific enough. And we need to be more explicit about who the Bible teaches us to be kind to. Remember in Luke chapter six and verse 35, when he says, love your enemies, he says, do that because God is kind to the ungrateful and evil. And I want you to think about this. How are you doing with kindness towards those around you who are ungrateful for your kindness? How are you doing with kindness towards those around you who are evil, who respond to your kindness with evil in return? All right. Now, this is interesting. You know, the the world says don't be kind to ungrateful people, because if you're kind to ungrateful people, what are they going to do? They're going to take advantage. of you. They're going to use you. They're going to step on you. They're going to they're going to take you for a ride and go as far as you can go. And yet God is still being kind to ungrateful people every day. I realize this is completely countercultural. Completely against everything that we think. To the world, this seems like foolishness. You can't be kind to people who are unkind. That's just going to encourage them to keep being unkind. God continues to be kind to those who are unkind and ungrateful every single day. And we are called to follow in his footsteps. Uh, Titus chapter 3 and verse 4. Who should we be kind to? Those who are foolish. How do you do um, with people who are foolish? Foolish. know how how, i don't know how you do but i know how i do um when i'm hanging out with fools uh, i like to let them know that they're fools uh you know um i like to let them know just how stupid they are you know you're really foolish uh you ever struggle with that you know just want to let them know like hey somebody needs to tell you you are not as smart as you think you are you are very foolish um but a lot of times that's not motivated sometimes that may be motivated by kindness a lot of times it's not for me. Um, it's not motivated by kindness. It's motivated by pride, and selfishness, irritation, and annoyance. Um, how do you do it being kind to foolish people? How do you do it uh, at, at being kind to people who are uh, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures? How do you treat people who are um, addicted to alcohol? Um, when you meet a drunkard on the street, somebody who's on drugs, Are you kind to them? How do you uh, treat those around you? Maybe people in your family who uh, are disobedient. They're deceived. They can't see anything wrong with them. They only see things that are wrong with everybody else. And yet you have to deal with them every day. How do you treat those people? Do you remember that you used to be one of those people? When God was appearing in kindness toward you. Sometimes we need to get a little bit more specific than just saying, be kind to all. Who's the person in your life right now? Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a neighbor who is really testing you. Who Satan may be using to really try to ruin the spirit of God that is in you. Be kind to them. Do not fight evil with evil but overcome evil with good. What does it take to be kind? I want us to think about that. Actually, real quick, before that, what what is it that hinders us from being kind? I think one one of the big ones is uh, a hindrance that keeps us from being kind. I think there's a reason why he says in Colossians 3, verse 12, um, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility. One of the reasons why we have such a hard time being kind is because we're so proud and self-absorbed. All right, that's hard to say. It's hard to admit. But it's true one of the reasons why i miss every day so many opportunities to be kind to people is because i'm too self-absorbed i'm just thinking about me sometimes i'm thinking about my own goodness you know look at how good i am you know um look at look at all the things that i've accomplished other times i'm thinking about my my own badness look at how bad i am look at how how much i've messed up i'm what's what's the point of even trying either way what am i focused on me I'm not thinking about God's kindness. I'm not thinking about how I could demonstrate God's kindness in the way that I'm living. What we need to do is take a step back and say, you know what? I'm just a human created in the image of God. I don't need to see myself as better than I am. I don't need to see myself as worse than I am. I'm a human created in the image of God. And my goal is not to prove my own goodness or to cover up my own badness. My goal is simply to demonstrate God's goodness in this world, to show God's glory around. May God help us to do that. May God help us every day to to be free from this pride and self-absorption, to stop focusing on our own goodness, our own badness, but to think about God and what is it that God wants us to accomplish in this world. Uh, Another hindrance here, anger, bitterness unforgiveness in our hearts. I'm not going to be kind to that person. I'm still thinking about what they did to me yesterday, last week, last month. I haven't haven't been able to move past that. After all, they keep doing it, you know, over and over and over again. Remember what uh, he said in Ephesians 4? Forgiving one another. Be kind to one another. Forgiving one another, just as God forgave you. Keep asking yourself every day. I know we ask ourselves this a lot. But um, has this person sinned against me more than I've sinned against God or less? All right. Do I want God's forgiveness? Yeah. And what should I do for them? I want God to keep forgiving me, keep being kind to me. Then what should I be doing towards them? Show them kindness. Um, Lastly, uh, another hindrance here is the cost. You know that song we just sang? I'll never know how much it costs. I'll never know how much it costs, and that's true, isn't it? But this is one of the reasons why we don't want to be kind all the time. It costs, it costs money, costs time, costs energy. We get tired of it. We get weary of being kind to other people. Living a lifestyle of kindness because it's exhausting. I'll never know how much it costs. There is a cost involved in showing kindness to others. The only thing that will keep us going is to look. At the cost that the Lord has paid in order to show, continue demonstrating kindness. So let's finish with this. Um, what does it take in order for us to be kind? It's It starts with love, right? Love is kind. So it starts with love. I've got to learn to love people like God has loved me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. At the root of all this, i got to think about who is God, who am I, and who are they? Who is God? He's my creator, the one who's given it all for me. Who am I? I'm just a human created in his image, created to become like him. Who are they? They are humans created in his image. We like to see people as all kinds of other things. We like to define people by their circumstances. We like to define people by their race, by their color, by by all kinds of other things, by their uh, sins and their addictions and their problems. But no, they are humans created in the image of God. Therefore, since God loves me, I also am going to learn to love them. For I know that if I don't love my brother whom I see, how can I love God who I don't see? Love is where it begins. Um, But also uh, think about the Good Samaritan here. Compassion. Compassion. Remember in Luke chapter 10 and verse 33, while the uh, Levite and the uh, priest were too, too busy, you know, too focused on their mission, their mission for God, of course. You know, um, the Samaritan comes by and it says in verse 33, he came upon him and when he saw him, he felt compassion for him. Do you feel compassion for people? When you see people that have really just messed up their lives, ruined it, through their sin, through their foolish choices, do, you, do you, how do you feel toward people? They're bitter? Are you resentful? Are you angry? There's actually a place for godly anger. But is there? are you compassionate? You know, the interesting thing about the Good Samaritan is we don't know a lot about the guy who got beat up. We don't know if he deserved that beating. Um, I mean, we know he got robbed, but we don't know if, like, hey, this—you know—this guy really deserved to get beat up. Anyway, he's a really bad character all his life. Um, we don't know anything about him. Samaritan wouldn't have known anything about him either. But he showed—he was moved with compassion. This is a fellow image bearer, somebody created in the image of God. Therefore, I'm going to have compassion on this person. What does it take? It takes love. It takes compassion. Let me add this though: it takes initiative, kindness takes initiative and this is where a lot of us struggle right um you know we're waiting on somebody else to do it we're waiting on somebody else to, yeah that person needs somebody to show them kindness who's gonna do it maybe it's me maybe god has put me here for such a time of this kindness takes initiative remember this while we were still helpless while we were still helpless we took no initiative whatsoever when god's kindness appeared through christ jesus our Lord. way let me add one other thing here. Uh, kindness takes initiative. That means I, I can't wait for the other person to deserve it. I can't wait for the other person to be kind to me first. I've got to take that initiative. But I also, kindness takes flexibility. And this is something I've been thinking a lot about over the past couple of years. Sometimes we are so busy doing what we got to do that we miss opportunities to show God's kindness to the world around us. Because we're in such a hurry to run to do and accomplish all the missions that we have to accomplish. And I want you to think about this. You know what? That's the priest's problem. And that's the Levites problem. Why couldn't they stop and help him? I'm sure they had a good reason. I got to get to church. I got to get to synagogue. I got to preach today. You know, who knows what their reason was, but they didn't stop because they were too busy. I want to ask you, are you flexible? When God puts somebody in front of you who's in need, are you willing to stop, give them attention, or do you just pass on by because you're in a hurry? One of the things that always shocks me about Jesus Jesus was never in a hurry. You notice that like he's going to, he's literally going to raise someone's daughter from the dead. Like she's on the verge of death. They don't even know she's dead yet, um, but she's on the verge of death. This is a, an urgent situation. And and all of a sudden somebody comes up with a chronic condition. It's been going on for a long time. She ain't going nowhere. He could have come back later on. No, he stops and he takes care of this woman in the, on the way to help that person. Do we care about people that much? Why did Jesus do that? Well, because he wasn't partial. He knew what he was about to do for the man and for his daughter, but he saw this person also in need. Do we have that kind of kindness, that kind of flexibility? May God help us to never be too busy, to be kind. to Show kindness to those who God puts in our path. And let me just add to this, the helpfulness. Remember the Good Samaritan in verse 34 and 35? He comes to him, he bandages his wounds, pours oil and wine on them, put him on his own beast. So he's going to walk while this guy gets carried, brings him to the end, takes, tells the end to take care of him and, and gives the end innkeeper two denarii and, and says, Hey, I got to go, but take care of him more. And when I get back, whatever more you spend, I'll pay you for that too. Extraordinary kindness, extraordinary kindness. Who is the good Samaritan in the story? That's kind of the point of the story, right? Who is your neighbor? Are you, the question is not, uh, who is your neighbor? The question is, who are you? Are you going to be the Good Samaritan or are you going to be like the priest and the Levite? But as I read the story, I can't help but think about Jesus. While we were helpless, we were laying dead in our sins, transgressions, on the side of the road, ruined our lives. Jesus went out of the way, you know? From coming from heaven to earth is out of the way. Jesus went out of the way to stop by and help us and rescue us from death and from sin. And as we said already, this is what being kind is really all about. It's not about demonstrating my goodness to the world. Remember uh, Matthew chapter five, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who's in heaven. First Peter two, Peter says this, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Skip down to verse 11. He says this, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which waged war against your lives. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. And glorify God on the day he visits us we live in a world full of ungrateful and wicked people and by God's grace we are not those people anymore but why are we here why has God put us in this world why hasn't he just rescued us and taken us off to heaven God has a mission for us you know what it is it's that we would show God's kindness in the world this is how we proclaim his excellence By living such good lives that when people attack us and when they slander us and when they think all kinds of evil of us, they see the life that we live and they see God in us. And they're able to say, you know what? God really is good and God really is kind. May God help us to live by the spirit, to walk by the spirit, to be led by the spirit into a lifestyle of kindness so that we can show the world that God And the kindness of God has truly appeared. Let us pray. Father, thank you for our time together and thank you for your word. Thank you for the truths that we have reflected on today. And thank you, God, for your great and abundant, extraordinary kindness. There is no kindness like the kindness that you have demonstrated toward us. And we thank you, God, that when we were helpless, when we were vile, when we were selfish, when we were proud, when we were foolish and disobedient and deceived, we were haters of others, when we were filled and enslaved by all sorts of lusts and pleasures, Lord, your kindness appeared through the man, Jesus Christ, who came to earth from heaven and went out of his way to take people who were broken and marred by sin and dead on the side of the road, dead in our sins and transgressions. And you, by your great love and kindness, have raised us up to have new life again. Help us, Father, to fulfill your mission of living out that kindness in this world so the world will come to see that truly you are good and kind. In Jesus we pray.